He has the appetite of a thousand pound animal. Yeah, he said, give me more. That is not enough. You made me do things and you sat on me. So I get lots of cookies. Well, that's what it takes to get cookies and I need a dozen. The cookie horse had cookies today. We we just started recording after that, but four cookies, quite a quite a bit. That's a lot of chocolate chip. Horse. <laughs> <laughs> They're like uh, oats. Yeah, it like tastes molasses. bad. I've eaten one. I mean, they're fine. Well, what did, what did you do to deserve a cookie? <laughs> exactly, uh, Cliff. Got really, like you were whining and screaming like this horse. Got really sweaty. <laughs> yeah. I bet I would like that cookie. Cliff says it tastes bad, but I bet that I would find it earthy and wholesome. Mm, they're called Mrs. Pastures. <laughs> oh, wow. Is, is there what a if- Mr. Pasture? Huh? <laughs> well, I think Wait, the missus probably. I said, I said, "Is there a Mister Pasture? Oh maybe she's widowed." You're yeah. right. You're right. Or maybe she, she just can't let like go. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's a, that's amazing that she happened to get into the field of taking care of pasture animals with a name like that. Right. What a coincidence! Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. They're well, expensive, I, 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 but the horses really like them. I think her first name is Cookie. Cookie Pasture. <laughs> cookie Pasture sounds like for horses. Cookie Pasture sounds like my like heaven. I'd like to retire on a Cookie Pasture. I think. Me too. Yes. Oh, what happened to Bear? He well, he went to the Cookie Pasture where he can run and play all all right. Yeah. And most people will think it's a euphemism for saying that I died, but I'm actually living in a beautiful paradise and just not telling anyone where it is. Um, well, I, either I have to say, after that discussion, I am loving learning about bugs. So we recorded an episode with our our wonderful guests, Cliff and Taylor. I'll formally introduce them in a moment. Um, We recorded a really long one, an hour and a half. It was super fun. And um, we do everything for free. uh, So we use very basic tools. One of them is the recording program, Craig, which Power Warriors also uses. And uh, you have one week to download the audio files that Craig records. And if you wait eight days, like me, then you might open up the file hutch to discover that file aphids have eaten all of the audio files. Those damn uh, aphids. Hey, that one was just for us. That's what I think of it. Just, <laughs> yeah. just four friends hanging out. It was really fun. And so Didn't no pressure, but we have, to rep- we have to replicate that repartee. Oh. Okay. Well, last time I talked a lot about horse flies, and boy, am I ready to talk more about horse flies because they they are horrible. Well, I have gotten a week older and probably wow. forgotten forgotten some things about bugs, and definitely haven't learned anything new in the past week. So that can't I, be true. The I hope master? that I can. I hope that I can approach my level of knowledge from a week ago, but I'm deteriorating rapidly. Bugmaster just the learning just seeps into you through osmosis. You just see a bug, and then your brain just starts um, flipping through files, Sherlock Holmes style. That's right. Yes, my mind palace. Of, my my, my mind bug palace. Your skull yes. bulges a little as your brain increases in size. 
Yeah, I did spend time around bugs this week, so maybe maybe I did pick up some new stuff. We'll see. Well, we'll be putting that to the test, Mark, because you know, in order to preserve a sense of joy and childlike wonder and discovery, uh, we are going to need you to present new facts. So please do not repeat any of the information that you stated last week because it won't be interesting to the three. That's of us. right. And I've, we'll yeah, do. I've, I will remember all the facts. Yeah. And I'll be very mad mm-hmm. if you repeat them. That's right. From Pastel Princess. Huge fan of the show. I was wondering what some strategies are for catching bugs, specifically beetles, but any bug will do. Located in Texas. And seems I can only come across your average June bug in cicada. I would keep a cicada, but they're just too loud. You gotta get a big hunk of barbecue and put it under a a box propped up on a stick. Mm -hmm. A Texas barbecue. Because even the bugs in Texas, they love that barbecue. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be careful with that strategy, though. You might catch a, a Texan, like a normal. Like a, a, you know, That's right. You like open a your box. Like a bug with a cowboy hat. You're like, oh, it must be a huge beetle today, and then it's a cowboy. God damn it, Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Get out of here. Ted Cruz, or Beto, Beto O'Rourke. Get out of here. My, my um, calves are cramping. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Children's podcast. <laughs> Bugmaster, what do you think? This person lives in Texas, and and they really, it seems like they have an interest in starting a career in etymology. All right, they, well, that's very to, exciting. Yeah, I need to not not high stakes now. I need to not mess this up and discourage them. That's um, right. Don't beat yourself. So, uh, so there's good news. Texas is a wonderland of bugs. Um, it is. If you look at pretty much for any animals and probably a lot of plants, um, if you look at range maps, like if Cliff opens his book of birds or Taylor opens her book of horses and looks at like <laughs> the distributions of things, you'll see like, oh, where do I see, you know, a parrot or where do I see a jaguar? Um, a lot of things that have tropical distributions through Central America and Mexico they will make it just up into Texas. So the the diversity of really oh. cool mm-hmm. stuff. So so the extreme southern tip of Florida and the extreme southern tip of Texas have a diversity of all kinds of animals: butterflies, beetles, you know, mammals, everything that make it just into Texas and nowhere else in the continental United States. So that's Texas is a very cool place for bugs. Is there a bug in particular that you recommend? that this budding bug scientist seeks out? Um, well, I do have one recommendation. Texas is also very big for any listeners who are not familiar. Everything's um, bigger in Texas. <laughs> yes, everything is bigger in Texas, and Texas itself is bigger in Texas. Um, <laughs> oh, because so, it's in Texas. Yes, all of it is in Texas, so it's right. huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so depending on where they live, uh, I'm... I, I'm not sure I could recommend something that would be found anywhere, but I mean, we'll in the desert the parts. Like, yeah, no, that would be good. Um, I can recommend some strategies for finding cool things that then they could take home and try to raise or or, or just observe for a while and then release back. Um, yeah. So one one thing I've had a lot of success with, and which is very straightforward and doesn't require a lot of special equipment, is raising caterpillars. 
Um, and the trick to that is just everywhere you go, look for caterpillars on leaves, <laughs> look for damaged leaves, look for, you know, you just, you just develop the habit of always keeping your eye out. And there are caterpillars all over the place. They can and, be hungry, hungry, I've been told. Yes. Hungry, hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, well, also, we also keep making that, that misnomer because it's the very hungry caterpillar, but we keep confusing it with hungry, yeah, hungry hippos. It's oh. hungry, hungry hippos. It's very hungry caterpillar? Yeah, the yes. very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> oh my God. This is, wow. By Eric Carl? Yeah, that's right. Well, okay. That's the one. Yeah. I'm tripping um, out right now. Okay, please continue. Yeah, right, very bug master. Bug master. So, so I've been involved in a, in a multi decade long at this point study i mean it wasn't all me i, I was just a, a participant but um of trying to raise caterpillars from various habitats and then see what parasites might be emerging from them um and so you can get an idea of diversity and you can get an idea of parasitism rates and you can get an idea of some of the, the habitat factors that might affect those so like looking at a habitat that <clears throat> never was hit by a hurricane versus one that just was hit by a hurricane does the diversity simplify and the sort of food web simplify because of all these specialist things that are supposed to come out at a certain time of year but all the plants are dead from the hurricane and so so there's lots of interesting questions you can answer and the the technology we used was going into the woods with a big piece of string tying the string around a certain known area within the woods and then just spending a bunch of time with a bunch of volunteers collecting every caterpillar we found and collecting some leaves from whatever plant it was on because presumably that's what it's going to want to eat and the technology for raising a caterpillar is a ziploc bag uh, you don't have to use even Whoa. the brand any any zipper bag it does not have to be ziploc if they want to sponsor us then we could say yes it has to be ziploc but or have yeah. to love and learning is to be mercenary get that money <laughs> um science ain't free but but yeah, so a Ziploc bag, if you find a caterpillar, throw it in a Ziploc bag with whatever type of plant you found it on. And all you really need to do is just make sure, because they can get quite big, that you need to replenish the leaves if they eat all the leaves. And they can make a mess in the bag because of their poop. Um, but other than that, that's, <laughs> that's all you need. It's, it's no special technology. And then eventually it will either... You poke holes in the bag? No, not at all. Um, How do they breathe? Well, plant leaves uh, turns out release oh, a oh molecule Ooh. called oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of it. Um, so so that's, it's a pretty good system, and you know, every couple of days, if you go into the bag to change the leaves, you know, that's oh, more than enough. The new air gets in. New air okay. gets in, and and, and yeah, that. And but, um, but yeah, so that that's a very s simple way to raise an insect sort of i don't know if you could call it a pet but you keep it for a little while and then either add it to your collection when you're done and it's an adult and you know what it is or release it back as an adult or, or whatever your personal ethic tells you to do but um but so that's very straightforward and there are caterpillars everywhere you just have to look and they're in forests and stuff you said i mean you said everywhere i guess everywhere so deserts um sort of counterintuitively um if is it it's pastel princess if pastel princess is in a desert part of texas it, they may have some more effort to put in because insects can be scarce but the ones that are there are really spectacular like a lot of really big i mean another thing you can do in deserts is go out so um sticking on caterpillars to finish the thought 
even like scrub desert plants, there are caterpillars that eat those plants. And so if you pick a plant, look at it for long enough, you will find the specialist thing that eats it. Even cactuses, even things that just have little needles for leaves. Um, But also you can take a black light. Yeah, yeah. Pine needle is a leaf. It's just a really skinny one. Hmm. Um, So, but yeah, going out at night with a lamp is a great way to find things. Uh, That's really effective in deserts because it's more wide open. Um, If you have a black light, there are some really cool things in deserts that uh, glow. So there are scorpions that glow and millipedes that glow. And so if you go out in the desert, um, just a regular like a headlamp or a bright flashlight, uh, spiders have very, very distinctive sort of diamond sparkly eye reflections. So if you hold, if you you use a headlamp or if you... If you hold a flashlight, it, it has to be lined up with your eyes, so a headlamp is great, but it'll reflect into the spider's eyes, or any animal, uh, and then shine right back into your eyes, so you'll get this really sharp, uh, sparkly light. So that's a good way to find spiders anywhere, but deserts, you can find tarantulas, you could find lots of cool stuff. But then also, yeah, like it's wide open, and at night these things are active. So you take a UV uh, or a black light, and, uh, and you'll find scorpions and glowing in the dark millipedes but yeah kick over logs um don't really do too much damage because that's a habitat but like you can look under logs look under rocks um there's there's lots of stuff out there gas Uh, stations gas station lights we did talk about that last time i think right so Mm -hmm. yeah you could also look at gas station lights pastel princess yes (laughs) bugs Uh, need to get gas just like everyone mm -hmm. and while they're filling up they're little Bug car, mm-hmm. Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like um, Richard. Is it Richard Carey who has the little the little worm who drives the little car? Carey, Richard Carey. Yes. Most of those characters are male. Too. Kind of a, yeah. So if you go to a, a gas station, there's usually a tiny bug gas station <laughs> hidden somewhere on the, on the premises. And <laughs> um, I was always too terrified to read those books. Oh, yeah, man, scary. Not... Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus the idea of anthropomorphic animals and bugs living in the society. Maybe lowly worm. I want something with a little more self-esteem. Lowly worm. That's actually the name. Yeah. The that's... proper name of things. I think it's called the busy world of Richard Scary. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I remember there was a cartoon series. That yeah. Was, that was a little. Watching. It was. It was. It was actually that was after my time. I was a little too old for that, Taylor. <laughs> Of, I still watch baby. it. I think it's very engaging. Taylor is steeped in the scary verse. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, it just keeps expanding. Mark, what is it about the tropics that affords so much diversity? Cliff, that is one of the gigantic, not entirely answered questions in all of biology. Got him. Boom. All right, we're <laughs> out of here. Stomp the bug master. Yeah. Um, it's very thoroughly studied. Um, there are couple really interesting theories i don't know what's been done in the 10 or 15 years since i last checked in on it but um one theory that i like has to do with um the intensity of solar radiation is higher there and so you get uh, greater mutation rates leading to greater uh, speciation from just and superpowers the rate of the rate of evolution is in is uh interconnected with the rate of mutations and at the at the equator and near the equator the sunlight is stronger and has a greater mutagenic power 
So that's one. That's one theory. There's lots of theories. I thought it was just plant life would be more. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but like plant biomass, there's plenty of places in temperate regions where plant biomass is really high. That's true. Well, yeah. So just to wrap up the advice for um, Pastel Princess, the, the a, a gas station is basically a pre-built insect collecting setup because one of the major <laughs> things that that <laughs> you can buy is inside. You can one hundred percent yes. Um, you can buy you know ethanol. Get if it's depending on what state you live in, you can get some Everclear and that. You could totally preserve Father an insect in that. Of mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, a really useful tool for just sampling insects of all types is to uh, set up a, a either a black light against a white sheet or a bright halogen light at a white sheet. And the gas station is tons of really bright halogen lights, usually in a wide open space, so there's lots of visibility, and insects will come flying from all around attracted to the halogen light and then they will land on the white wall of the gas station building and so you can find um really spectacular stuff that comes out of the woods and is attracted to the light and then and then lands there so it's it's really just what i would do if i were trying to catch bugs in a new habitat is i'd take a white sheet prop it up shine a bright light on it or i would go to the gas oh station. you could yeah you could do that <laughs> or could, princess, yeah. if you're feeling really just, lazy just go to the <laughs> gas station and pluck bugs off the wall or, or set up the white sheet in your backyard. I'm surprised you haven't plugged iNaturalist more, Bugmaster. The app that you love. I do love it. Um, <laughs> it's it's real good, and everyone who listens to this should get iNaturalist on your phone. Um, well, what is it, Bugmaster? It is an app for contributing photos of things in nature that you find. Um any living thing. It could be a fungus, it could be a bug, it could be a bird, it could be a plant. Dog poop. Uh, whatever kinds. Um, and you take a photo of it and you upload it and your phone knows the GPS location and everything, so that's important science data. And so you're anytime you upload a photo, you're contributing data for someone later who might be like, oh, well, I'm actually really interested in you know, uh, the bugs of Texas gas stations, or I'm interested in <laughs> distribution of, of cockroaches. So if you post a picture of a cockroach from a gas station, you might be helping either of those people. Um, and the other way that you benefit from, so that's what, what you contribute by participating in that. But the benefit is if you're curious about what thing you've seen, um, the iNaturalist app has a AI function that is pretty smart depending on what group you're looking at and it will compare your photo to its archive of everything else that people have uploaded and say oh yeah that thing that you just uploaded i think it is identifying a... bug I think, yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah that's what it says when you when you click the identify a big right according to my data that. this is a african hitting cockroach <laughs> <laughs> This um, bug can get it. Oh, yeah, it's horny. It's horny. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. It's like her, uh, the her AI. And, oh, and then okay, if the, sure. <laughs> if the uh, AI is not able to give you a satisfactory answer, then at some point, an expert in that group will log in and go, oh, oh there's been 50 new cockroaches uploaded since the last time I checked. Let me scroll through them all. Okay, this one's from a Texas gas station. This is what it looks like. I'm going to give my expert ID. And then then it goes into the iNaturalist system as verified. 
and also you as the person who uploaded it who was curious what it was will get an expert to oh that's you. dave i know that one what's yeah. up dave yeah, yeah. <laughs> um mark why are bugs attracted to bright lights like that in the, the nighttime the theory that i so again i i've i have not been really academically active in entomology in a long time so a, a lot of my knowledge about it is a little outdated but one of the theories that i remember reading and i don't know if it's been verified or proven wrong uh in the in the time since but um if insects are trying to navigate by the position of the moon in the sky uh, as the single brightest object at night um if you light up an artificial light that is very close then that throws off their navigation. So for instance, if you're, the moon is not gonna really shift position as you move oh, because okay. it's so far away, but a light at the gas station that's like a quarter mile from you, if you try to keep it on your right, you will end up spiraling closer and closer to the gas station by always keeping it on your right and you will eventually um, navigate, misnavigate to where you're just like, well, now I'm at, I did it. I made it to the moon. <laughs> and like, where do, where do you so go from there? That's the down. end goal. That's the end goal for any bug. Yes, they're all trying to get to the moon and then they don't know what to do when they get there. No, uh, but yeah, so like the moon is a good navigation point, just like the North Star sailors would use because it's fixed in a spot in the sky. And so it's a stable frame of reference. Well, if your stable frame of reference is the moon, but in fact, it's not the moon you're using. It's a, it's a light that's just across the field. Then it's not a stable point in the sky. It's close enough to you that you will, you'll end up spiraling toward it if you if you try to keep it on one side. So that's one idea is that is that they're trying to navigate by moonlight and inevitably will spiral spiral closer and closer to the light source and then just get there and be confused and not really know what to do. And that's why they sort of accumulate around lights. Um, don't know if that's true, but that was the best theory that I that stuck in my head. So um, I see. it's at least it's at least entertaining enough that I remembered it. So the so the answer is that uh, all flying bugs are trying to get to the moon. They're trying to fly high enough to get through the yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, and they don't they, realize yeah. there's no air. Well, will that really bother them <laughs> that much? I think so. I think that, yeah, bug scientists just have not advanced to the point where they know that when they get to the moon, they're not going to be able to breathe. They <laughs> Human scientists are a lot more advanced Has, than bug scientists. Well, how do we know? Have we taken the bug to the moon? I'm not saying we should. That would be cruel. They might die of lack of oxygen. But I'm saying, can you prove a bug would die from lack of oxygen? Yeah, would they really? Maybe they would really flourish up there. I think there's you some know? animals that have bred in orbit. There's probably some insects. You could, we could rename moon to bug planet. The uh, yeah. tardigrade is said to be able to survive the, the vacuum tardigrade. of space. Um, the water bear. I would rank that as an honorary bug. <laughs> De I definitely tardigrade definitely is an honorary bug. One of the one of the cutest creatures. Um, but yeah, they're they're famously durable and can survive, you know, periods of intense dryness, intense heat, uh, lack of oxygen, for for a pretty long time. So they might be do they might do okay on the moon. There's been Drosophila on a spaceship or something, some some sort of. I'm sure there's been several. Yeah, they get everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You can find them just about anywhere. Yeah. They're very small, though. Because Mosker is everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's Unless you're the south side of a tree. 
Is that actually true? <laughs> Moss doesn't grow on the south side because I don't know. Yeah, how, well, why would it's that be true? true? Because of the sun? That doesn't make sense. Sun yeah, I know I just talked about how time. everything is driven by the position of the sun and the moon, but in this case, no, that's not true. It's the uh, North Star. Oh, the North Star provides. Exactly. Moss, yes, the mosses navigate by the North Star, so they always go on the north side of a tree. Um, <laughs> they're trying to get to the moon, too. Or they're going to try to get to the North Star. They're more ambitious yeah. than insects. Um, I have seen moss on the south side of a tree, so <sighs> I can I can personally say that it, at least in one instance where I saw it, there was moss on the south side. <laughs> Bogus. I don't know if it's meant to be true on the south uh, south of the equator either. In Australia, the moss might grow on the other side of the tree. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that's why the Tasmanian devil is so confused. That's why. That's why they're spinning around so much. Yeah, that's because great. they're just yep. they're they're misoriented. They they were yep. they were they were born in the wrong hemisphere. That's right. In ballerinas too. If you brought a Tasmanian devil to to the northern hemisphere, it would spin the opposite way. I was thinking that if you brought it to the northern hemisphere, it would actually just walk around normal. It'd be a normal person. Uh, well, looking a little the, weird. You'd have to be on the equator. I think as you get close to the equator, the spinning gets less extreme, and then once you cross the equator, it spins the opposite way. Oh yeah. Okay, that's I like that. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I want to live on the equator then, so that my toilet water goes straight down. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) this question is from nolan o think i had a bowl of nolan o's this morning (laughs) at nolan is my name in your face (laughs) do bug pee no wait nolan didn't ask it stupid like that do bugs pee (laughs) (laughs) um Yes, yes, bugs pee. Um, they have so pee is the product of water and contaminants and electrolytes and salts and things being filtered out of blood for a person, like for me. I can't speak for you guys. For me, my pee is water and <laughs> uh, things being filtered out of my blood by my kidneys. My pee is uh, just water. <laughs> okay. Yeah, to each their own. It's your lived experience, and I, who am I to say it's not valid? Oh wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mine's just electrolytes. It's like living the dream. That, that yeah. Cops out. Like oh crystals. no. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that sounds like it. Cliff, hurts. it's funny you should say that. There are some insects that are so good at recapturing water from their pee um, because they live in very dry habitats that their pee is essentially reduced to just a pellet of electrolytes because wow they is that are, like a snake urate like snakes mm-hmm. yeah snake it's, your, it's liquid. like uric acid crystals um okay in solid form because they, they live in a habitat that's so snakes make brown poop but then they also make white poop and that's called urate same for birds mm-hmm. i think a and lot it of comes out as like a white vertebrates poop. do that yeah yeah so there's insects that make liquid pee and there's insects that do the the water conservation and and their pee doesn't include include any water really um because they does it sound like a chime like a cartoon jewel when it comes out um i think it sounds like if you if you pour salt out on a on a kitchen counter do spiders pee i'm gonna say yeah they do um because so that like function... my pet tarantula's pee yeah yeah that function yeah, is, is pretty essential water 
yeah, the, there you go. Um, yeah, so the, the the same function has to has to happen for them, which is that their blood has to be filtered out uh, periodically. And so they have an org- insects have an organ called Malpighian tubules, um, which opens into their digestive tract. So like we have a urinary tract that's completely separate from our digestive tract. So our pee comes out from a different place and it isn't mixed with our poop. But insects, the hmm. <laughs> the equivalent of their kidneys, basically empties instead of into a bladder, a urinary bladder, it empties straight into their intestine. So their pee comes out with oh, their poop. Dear. Um, yeah. So if you so, met a, if you met a bug, it wouldn't. You said you had to go number one or number two. It would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we uh, we go one point five all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>